little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoyne. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. Talk Catholic with Tim Kilcoyne. It is our Saint of the Month. We'll get to in just a few minutes. I hope you have enjoyed these waning days of summer out at the beach or up in the mountains. That very special place later in the show will be hearing from St. Alphonsus Liguori about the importance of a little solitude in nature, a very special place to meet God, that your recreation be a recreation of your soul for Jesus. So in any event, I hope your batteries are charged up for the school year, all those going back to school, and be ready for battle once you see some of those textbooks I mentioned in a previous show on male and female. Uh, There is a political agenda at work, especially in the public domain, and uh, there's going to be real, real cause for action on the part of parents. In any event, I always like just doing a little tidbit on this upcoming synod on synodality in October. This is kind of the the revolution that has been going on in Holy Mother Church. Well, actually not Holy Mother Church. We would call it the deep church, the counterfeit church. And I don't use that word loosely. It was actually a word used by a Catholic mystic from the 1800s, the venerable Catherine Ann Emmerich. I'll mention her in just a second, but I'm operating out of a little article called Building a False Church by Michael Hitchborn of the Fatima Center, and we had read previously, he said, I'm sure everyone here is aware of the troubles caused by the current nonsensical synod on synodality, and while many are aware of the ridiculous claims of Cardinal Hollerick that the church's teachings regarding homosexuality can or should be changed, what most don't realize is that these things didn't just pop out of nowhere. Our Lady and Sister Lucia of the Fatima message, spoke of infiltration. There are many avenues of infiltration into Holy Mother Church, and it's been going on for a very long time. Whether in the form of Freemasonry, homosexuals, or communists, most of these groups operate under the cover of darkness. And he was then referring to the Association of U.S. Catholic Priests. And this is a radical little group of maverick priests and theologians who are trying to uh, refashion the church to their liking. In any event, I just wanted to mention quickly what he mentioned about Catherine Ann Emmerich's mystical vision. I'll be very brief and just highlight a couple of points here. Venerable Catherine Ann Emmerich saw a counterfeit church. She saw workers building this new church over the old one, which they intend to demolish. The following excerpts are directly from her writings. I saw the fatal consequences of this counterfeit church. I saw it increase. I saw heretics of all kinds. I saw the ever-increasing tepidity of the clergy, the circle of darkness ever-widening. I saw in all places Catholics oppressed, annoyed, restricted, and deprived of liberty. Churches were closed and great misery prevailed everywhere. All sorts of abominations were committed in this new church. 
the priests let things go their way and said Mass irreverently. I saw many pastors cherishing dangerous ideas against the church. They built a large singular church, an extravagant church, which was to embrace all creeds with equal rights, evangelicals, Catholics, and all denominations, a true communion of the unholy with one shepherd and one flock. Please, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget what the Pope signed at Abu Dhabi. The document on human fraternity, for world peace and living together in February of 2019 when the cornerstones for a mosque, a Christian church of some kind, and a synagogue were being placed carefully and cleverly for perhaps the very vision of Anne Catherine Emmer. This mystic of the 1800s says, all in this church belong to the earth, return to the earth. All was dead, the work of a human skill, a church of the latest style, a church of man's invention like the new heterodox church in Rome. My Michael Hitchborn then reassures us, the efforts of the enemy to create a new church on the facade of the old is manifesting before our very eyes, but Holy Mother Church is an unsinkable ship who takes her people to safe harbors. Right now, the diabolical disorientation we are in is like the fog on the sea at midnight. It is dark and we cannot see the dangers lurking ahead. But in 1917, Our Lady appeared to three small children with a warning, a message of hope and a promise. Though the devil has obscured our vision, Our Lady, like a lighthouse on the shore provides a sure path to safety. And I think that's a good note to finish summer on. Our Lady, a lighthouse for indeed our way home. Similar to the political evil that's been upon us over the last three years, this too will pass because indeed God wins. Let us move on to one great man of God, St. Alphonsus Liguori. Another truth teller. And did you ever wonder, how do these saints become saints? But in fact, they were truth tellers. That's exactly what made them saints. They stood against the grain. They disturbed the comforted and comforted the disturbed, often in the most uncomfortable situations and usually paying with their life for it. A doctor of the church, St. Alphonsus Liguori, and I have no doubt that my recently departed spiritual advisor of many years, Brother Alphonsus Maria the Great, no doubt took this saint as his namesake. He loved St. Alphonsus Liguori, and when Brother died just recently this year, I was in a church on the very day that he passed, and then I come across The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguori, and also a book by St. Louis de Montfort, God Alone, the title. And if there were ever two books that represented the heart and soul of Brother Alphonsus, it was indeed those two books. So I am delighted and honored to put forth this presentation in honor of my great friend, Brother Alphonsus Maria, and the role he may well have played with a recent miracle for this radio station that we'll talk about in the days ahead. From the website, catholic.org. Bishop, doctor of the church and founder of the Redemptorist Congregation, he was born Alphonsus Marie Antony, John Cosmos Damien, Michael Gaspar de Ligori. What's in the name? Quite a bit. On September 27, 1696, at Marianella, near Naples, Italy. Raised in a pious home, Alphonsus went on to retreats with his father, Don Joseph, who was a naval officer and captain of the Royal Galleys. Alphonsus was the oldest of seven children, raised by a devout mother of Spanish descent, educated at the University of Naples. Alphonsus received his doctorate at the age of 16. By age 19, he was practicing law, but he saw the transitory nature of the secular world and after a brief time retreated from the law courts and his fame. 
visiting the local hospital for incurables on August 28, 1723. He had a vision and was told to consecrate his life solely to God. Alphonsus dedicated himself to the religious life, even while suffering persecution from his family. He finally agreed to become a priest, but to live at home as a member of a group of secular missionaries. He was ordained on December 21, 1726, and spent six years giving missions throughout Naples. Alphonsus founded the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer on November 9, 1732. The foundation faced immediate problems, and after just one year, Alphonsus found himself with only one lay brother. His other companions had left to form their own religious group. He started again, recruited new members, and in 1743, became the prior of two new congregations, one for men and one for women. Pope Benedict XV gave his approval for the men's congregation in 1749 and for the women's in 1750. Alphonsus was preaching missions in the rural areas and writing. He refused to become the Bishop of Palermo, but in 1762 had to accept the papal command to accept the see of St. Agatha of the Goths near Naples. Here he discovered more than 30,000 uninstructed men and women and 400 indifferent priests. For 13 years, Alphonsus fed the poor, instructed families, reorganized the seminary and religious houses, taught theology, and wrote. His austerities were rigorous, and he suffered daily the pain from rheumatism that was beginning to deform his body. An attack of rheumatic fever from 1768 to 1769 left him paralyzed. He was not allowed to resign his see, however, until 1775. In 1780, Alphonsus was tricked into signing a submission for royal approval of his congregation. This submission altered the original rule, and as a result, Alphonsus was denied any authority among the Redemptors. What a beautiful thing to do, huh? You can just see the church, deep church politics always at work. Not This isn't a new phenomena. Deposed and excluded from his own congregation, Alphonsus suffered great anguish, but he overcame his depression, and he experienced visions, performed miracles, and gave prophecies. He died peacefully on August 1st, 1787 at Nocera di Pagani, near Naples, as the Angelus was ringing. He was beatified in 1816 and canonized in 1839. In 1871, Alphonsus was declared a doctor of the church by Pope Pius IX. His writings on moral, theological, and ascetic matters had great impact and have survived through the years, especially his moral theology and his glories of Mary. He is the patron of confession Professors, moral theologians, and the lay apostolate. St. Alphonsus Liguori, pray for us. His feast day is August 1st. And before I give some notable quotables, as we typically do with our Saint of the Month, I'd like to read just from a particular work called Recollection. It's taken from his very stellar work, the 12 Steps to Holiness. And I'm just going to read a, a few excerpts just to give kind of a snapshot of the theology and spirituality of St. Alphonsus. Matthew 14, verse 23. Having dismissed the multitude, he went into a mountain alone to pray, referring to our Lord. St. Alphonsus says, to preserve recollection of spirit or the constant union of the soul with God, three things are necessary. Solitude, silence, and the recollection of the presence of God. The soul that loves God feels a strong attraction for solitude, for they know that God converses familiarly with those who shun the noise and the distractions of the world. So ladies and gentlemen, there it is right there, and why so many people are walking around in a lukewarm, foggy state. They're not seeking any time in the desert for every soul. Time in the desert, recollection with God, recollection of yourself, 
and who you are. There's a continuity to the soul. And sometimes we forget who we were as a child. Remember what our Lord said, out of the mouth of babes comes his wisdom. We're so close to God as children. And the goal of life really is to stay that way. (laughs) Very difficult. That's the cross, no doubt. But one spiritual childhood should be a constant and a guiding litmus test as to whether your character is floating with the wind, the wind of public opinion, the wind of other people's so-called respect, quote-unquote, okay? Doing things to suit other people and what they think about you. All of that tears you away from that rock-like soul that we all should be, St. Peter style. He goes on, solitude is the place where man finds God. In solitude, virtue is easily preserved. In intercourse with the world, it is easily lost. For this reason, the mountains and forests and caves were inexpressibly dear to the saints. In other words, for interior souls, solitude is the source of abundant delights, for it is there they look upon and contemplate the majesty and beauty of God. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it is a precept of the church, a rule we should follow to do at least one yearly retreat. And preferably more than that. More importantly, do you have that little retreat nearby, like in your backyard? Is there a little, I just did an interview with Father Lawrence Kearney talking about making sure that a one little room of some kind in your house might be devoted to that quiet little chapel-like time. Check out the movie A Time for Miracles on the Life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. There's a beautiful illustration of a domestic church chapel. That's really important. He was talking about getting a nice, uh, beautiful candle. You have these battery-operated candles now that look exactly like the real thing. I have them all over my house. <laughs> it is. It literally looks like a monastery at nighttime here, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So uh, he, he's only speaking to our human heart if we'll simply get in touch with it rather than all that noise. He goes on, it is true man naturally loves the society of his fellow man, but What can be found more beautiful than the society of God? His conversation hath no bitterness, says Holy Scripture, and his company no tediousness, but joy and gladness. Wisdom, chapter 8, verse 16. A life of solitude is not a life of sadness. It is rather a foretaste of heaven. It is the beginning of the life of the blessed, whose sole happiness is found in the love and praise of God. This is what St. Jerome said when he fled from the society of Rome and hid himself in the grotto of Bethlehem. Solitude is my heaven, he wrote. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, When thou shalt pray, says our Lord, enter into the chamber, and having shut the door, pray to thy Father in secret. It is not to be supposed that solitude and retirement are synonymous with idleness. Many live in retirement, but it is an inactive and useless retirement of which they shall have to render an account. Devout souls, on the contrary, are like bees that are never tired preparing honey for their cells. No time must be lost, but every moment employed in praying in reading, or in performing the duties of your state of life. Idleness is the mother of vice, says the proverb, and the foundation of this proverb is the words of Holy Scripture. Idleness hath taught much evil. Ecclesiasticus chapter 33, verse 29. And this is an example now of where our work can become our prayer. He says, according to St. Bonaventure, the idle man is tortured by a thousand temptations, while the man that is busily occupied is comparatively few. We cannot pray all the time, therefore, we must devote ourselves 
ourselves to work. It would be an error to suppose that work is injurious to health. On the contrary, it is very conducive to our bodily welfare. Work is, moreover, an effective remedy against temptations. One day, St. Anthony the Hermit was assailed by numerous temptations, and with a sudden aversion for his solitude, he scarcely knew which way to turn. An angel appeared and led him into the garden. Thereupon he picked up a hoe and began to cultivate the ground. Afterwards he prayed for a while and then returned to work. From this the saint learned how he was to act, and the subsequent interchange of prayer and labor made his solitude very agreeable. The good intention we make in performing our labors sanctifies them in the sight of God and even makes a labor a prayer. And I can speak to this relative to my longtime golf career, hitting the little white ball, going back to seven years of age. And I reflect on it often, the great deep peace that I have in being out there on the green grass, in God's creation, looking so beautiful. And I have no doubt in my mind that so much of my love of the game of golf has had more to do with my love of God and being detached from the world, but with the intention of sanctifying that world. It is called fairwaystofaith.com. Let's take a break. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM, and we'll hear some of the notable quotables of St. Alphonsus Liguori. Well, I hope you've had many lovely days this summer, and that is the theme here, Lovely Day by Bill Withers, a beautiful song of affirmation, lifting people up. a good one to start. I've heard it expressed in a different way. St. Alphonsus says, the past is no longer yours. The future is not yet in your power. You have only the present wherein to do good. And I have heard it also said, the past is history. The future is mystery. And that's why we live in the present. And it's hard to do. If you remember from one of Father 
William Casey's story about the gentleman that he seemed to be most successful in a lot of his endeavors, and yet he was pretty much miserable all the time because he was always constantly worried about his next move. To some degree, having a little foresight is an act of prudential judgment. You want to try to see where things are going or to plan ahead and be organized, etc. But let's not get intense about it. And then there are those that live constantly in the past and just can't get the wheels turning forward. So always in moderation, Thomistic style. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, we must be balanced. The next quote, I think St. Alphonsus might be talking about our current New World Order elites with this one. He who trusts himself is lost. He who trusts in God can do all things. This massive plan worldwide for domination by a select few is, again, biblically, the story of the Tower of Babel. And we know how that went. God wasn't too pleased. God confused their speech, no doubt indicating his desire for the sovereignty of countries, nations having their own identity and customs and traditions, all good, not a uniform worldwide plan. So when man tries to put all the eggs in his own basket, he ends up with none. So just give it to our Lord and let him work through you as an open vessel of his grace to do the things for his glory, God's glory, to the greater glory and honor of God. Ad mehorum de gloriam. That's what it's all about for the actual potential of man to be realized. Never by his own effort. Oh, I love this next one. Acquire the habit of speaking to God as if you were alone with him familiarly and with confidence and love. As to the dearest and most loving of friends, speak to him often of your business, your plans, your troubles, your fears, of everything that concerns you. Converse with them confidently and frankly, for God does not want to speak to a soul that does not want to speak to him. Ladies and gentlemen, I can speak to this with power, because I am a single gentleman that has lived his life very much alone with God by his grace. What a luxury. Uh, no doubt the theology of the single life will be written at some point, but I can speak to the luxury, to the beauty, to the splendor of being alone with God on a daily basis in your own home. And I wake up and say, Father, what are we going to do today? And I wait to hear what the priority of tasks should be. And I'll, on a Sunday, I often say, what's the week looking like, Lord? What do we need to prioritize? This is the way God wants you to speak to him. And too often, it's our significant other, usually a wife or husband, that the other spouse, one of the two, is not into that open and honest and free, easy spiritual conversation. In fact, I would argue they're actually jealous of it. They want all the attention pointed at themselves. And it makes the marriage difficult, just to put it bluntly. You need to be on the same page. That's why, as Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen wrote the book, Three to get married. He was on to it. You need to have that constant conversation with God, even as a family, even as a married couple. This is the difference between those families that continue to be vibrant in their Catholic faith, truly alive, even with adult children. Because why? They didn't stop praying together as a family. It was the old priest, Father Payton, that used to say, the family that prays together stays together. It's a simple, simple maxim. You'll keep that communication alive and not disintegrate into dysfunction 
where everybody's hanging out in their own cubicle, but nobody's talking to each other. If you keep the conversation with God open and constant, incessant prayer is what St. Paul told us. The next quote, were you to ask what are the means of overcoming temptations, I would answer, the first means is prayer. The second is prayer. The third is prayer. And should you ask me a thousand times, I would repeat the same. Prayer is sufficient. Enough. The next quote. And here's a very tough one, but coming from a doctor of the church, we need to listen. All the damned have been lost through not praying. If they had prayed, they would not have been lost. And this is and will be their greatest torment in hell to think how easily they might have been saved just by asking God for his grace. But that now it is too late, their time of prayer is gone. That's a tough truth for our age when we weigh the last three years where all kinds of good people did a lot of weird things. Were they praying? I would put down a few bucks. They were not. And if you want to pierce through the obvious craziness of our time, we all have to get down on our knees, ladies and gentlemen, and ask for God's grace and the light of his wisdom. You may find that you don't even have to go to school. He will show you the way and the truth, because he is the way and the truth. The next quote, before we fall into sin, St. Alphonsus tells us, the enemy, the devil, labors to blind us, that we may not see the evil we do and the ruin we bring upon ourselves by offending God. After we commit the sin, he seeks to make us dumb, that through shame we will conceal our guilt in confession, if we get there. This is good stuff, ladies and gentlemen, to ponder for our daily examination of conscience. Blindness. Sometimes when I just can't figure out why good people do crazy things or just can't see the truth about things in this wacky world we're in right now, it makes me wonder where did the blindness come from? And sometimes I almost pray, as the Lord said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'll actually find myself praying for their ignorance, that they not be held accountable one day, one great day, their judgment. Let us finish with this great doctor of the church, his most simple wisdom of all. And I would again add in honor of his namesake, Brother Alphonsus Maria, those who say the rosary daily and wear the brown scapular and who do little more will go straight to heaven. Thank you, men of God, for simple, profound wisdom. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. Have a great week, everyone. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoin, TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.